0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Coming up on episode 25 of Off Air with Joe and Oral, we've got a special postseason preview. We'll look back a little bit at this regular season, but mostly
2: the focus is on October. October. And we know when you hear this, it'll be after game one, but we're still going to go over the roster and those decisions with Dave Roberts. We've got that and
1: plenty more coming up this week. And today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Shield of California, Postmates, Bank of America, and Qcells. Blue is honest. Blue is strong. Blue doesn't divide. Blue embraces. Blue doesn't give up. Blue is courageous. Blue is the color of the sky we're all reaching for. Blue Shield is opportunity. Blue Shield is choice. Blue Shield is tomorrow. Blue Shield is health care coverage that covers more people. When it's time to choose, choose Blue Shield of California.
2: From Dodger Dogs to Garlic Fries, you can get a taste of the Dodger Stadium experience delivered on demand right to your home through the Dodgers Home Plates program, exclusively available through Postmates app. You can still enjoy your favorite Dodger Stadium dishes while you cheer on the team from home. As a special offer to our listeners, be sure to use the promo code OFF AIR, all in caps, at checkout to get a free Dodger dog with your order. A setback. Well, it's just a comeback
1: you haven't met yet. While this season may look different, let's rally to support our team in a great cause. As the official Bank of Major League Baseball and the Dodgers, Bank of America is launching a Let's Rally campaign and donating $10,000 to Boys and Girls Clubs of America for each late inning comeback to win the game, up to $1 million. As part of this effort to make a difference in local communities, Bank of America has partnered with Dodgers ace Walker Bueller and MLB players from each team to create a unique collection of 30 t-shirts. For each t-shirt purchase, Bank of America will donate $7 to the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, up to $200,000. At a time when our country faces its own comeback, Bank of America is excited to use its partnership with MLB and Boys and Girls Clubs of America to give fans something positive to rally around. Learn more at MLB.com
2: slash Bank of America Let's Rally. Harness unlimited energy from the sun through solar, a sustainable investment for energy independence curious to see if solar is worth it for you calculate your savings with q cells the number one solar panel market leader and official solar partner of the los angeles dodgers visit q cells at www.q-cells.us to learn more today the postseason is here october is here and
1: so a special postseason preview episode of off air hit it frankie Well, our lone guest this week is going to be Dave Roberts, per usual. We'll get to him in a little bit, but we figured as we kind of did to open the regular season, we'd open the postseason with a bit of a postseason preview. First, though, kind of a look back at the regular season, what stood out to us. But uh, 60 games, games—did for you, did it fly by, or
2: did it feel like a grind like 162? I think the beginning started to fly by, and then it got into like this is the new normal and we were in our habit of kind of grinding a little bit and then the end creeped up so fast that it didn't feel like grinding very long so mm-hmm. i don't know maybe two weeks of grinding barely yeah well now we get into the final week and they've already
1: clinched, and the whole thing becomes who are they going to play we didn't know even when we went off the air on sunday exactly we had a, we starting to look like it'd be the brewers and it will be the brewers and Seems like all things considered, and we're kind of putting ourselves out there and talking about this because we're recording early afternoon Wednesday, a few hours before first pitch of game one, this is going to come out after game one, but it seems like all things considered, I mean, you get a 29 and 31 team, you don't like the setup where you have to play a three game series, having won 43 games during the regular season, but... As good of a matchup as you're going to find,
2: probably, given the, the, the possible opponents? I really do. I think that uh, Dodgers are not intimidated by any opponent, whoever they would have drew. But you, you draw a team that's short on their roster, short with a couple of their best pitchers, uh, not offensive-minded the way they used to be, uh, strike out a lot, You know, can only really win when they walk and get a few key hits. So uh, the Dodgers do all those things well way better than the Brewers, so it's a really good matchup. I mean, they're
1: 29 and 31. That that says it all, right? They, In a normal season, they don't belong near the postseason. Right. But still, anybody in a three-game series, as we've
2: talked about, can scare you. Yeah, there's, there's two things that can happen. There's the probabilities of baseball, and what I mean by that is the fact that you can make a good pitch and a blooper could fall in. Um, there's the guys... The other part that I would say is the Brewers can beat the Dodgers possibly if they are not themselves. And what I mean by that is if they would all commit to beating the shift, if they would all commit to hitting weak ground balls to one side, if they'd all commit to getting the guy over, if they can do little things that they didn't used to do, uh, they've got a chance to score some runs.
1: They're, I mean, you, you. everybody's dealing with something when it comes to injuries, but they've got some really key pieces missing. Corbin Burns, who was a Cy Young candidate, is not on the roster. We just found out a few hours before we started recording here that Devin Williams, who might win Rookie of the Year, has been the best reliever in baseball this year and makes what is probably the best one-two back-end punch in a bullpen in baseball with Josh Hader, he's not going to be on the roster either. So it's it's a 29 and 31 team that is now exceptionally short-handed especially in the pitching department.
2: Yeah, Corbin Burns with the oblique and Williams with he at the uh, shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's really they are going to have a tough time. Maybe the first time around the order with the Dodgers and then they start matching up. But how are you going to match up for three days in a row? You're going to have to have somebody give you five innings. Somebody's got to give you five or six innings in at least one of the games. So uh, I think they're going to throw the whole kitchen sink at the Dodgers. And I think the Dodgers will be ready for it. One of the big
1: marketing campaigns across baseball last year was Belly versus Yelly in the uh, MVP race. But Belly versus Yelly this year is a much different thing. They're again having very similar seasons, but it's the opposite in terms of how fun it's been.
2: Yeah, these guys have both, you know, hovered around 200 the whole year. They didn't hit for as many home runs. They caught some statistics here and there. But I would say Bellinger, as tough a year as he had, is having a much better year than Yelich, just looking at the numbers. And, you know, but either one could explode and carry their team. And that's the interesting part about the matchup, too, with the Dodgers. I think that the Dodgers have, like, seven guys that could carry them in a three-game series. And probably the Brewers – Maybe have two. Is it going to be Braun? Is it going to be Jelic? Uh, who else Go could back, be? Go back, spend good. Yeah. And Lorenzo Kane opted out. So mm-hmm. the, the resumes on the team and the stats on the team as far as offensively, who could carry them, there's few and far between. Before, I guess, before we look back and uh, rehash this crazy 60
1: games, let's just stick on the topic of this Brewers series and, and the postseason. What, when you saw the roster come out today, 28-player roster, what stood out to you?
2: Uh, I really thought that the Dodgers made a roster for a three-game series. Um, 90 feet is going to be huge. Terrence Gore is on the team, right? Uh, Dylan Floro's not. Maybe he's dealing with something. Maybe they don't like the way he's throwing the ball. Maybe they don't like the matchup with the Brewers compared to the other pitchers, so they don't think they're going to get to him, that he would be great depth, but probably not an integral part. Um, Who else? Uh, What else was on the roster? Beatty made it. Yeah. But Beatty for, you know, for contact and a a key at bat. And this guy is one of the best off of really good pitchers. So who knows? I don't know if that's a good matchup for Hayter, but that might be a good matchup for some of their other bullpen pieces. Cabrera Ruiz carrying a third catcher. Yeah, the strategy there, of course, is yeah. to bring Will Smith's bat into play, and it also gives you another left-handed, powerful bat off the bench if you needed it. But if you're if you're using Cabert as a pinch hitter or he's in the game, then he's really the reserve piece. He's not really an integral part of the roster. We know that
1: uh, it is Bueller tonight, for the people listening yes. as this comes out. It's Bueller last night, Kershaw Thursday night. Hold us a But they'll get the first two games. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Friday, if necessary, we still don't know. And that's something we'll pick Dave Roberts on when he joins us in a bit. But you have options. Um, if it were you, do you, do you have a, a strong preference, strong feeling on where they should go?
2: Well, you're going to have two games of watching matchups and you're going to have two games of seeing if a hitter looks like he's getting hot or a hitter is super cold. And especially in the first three hitters of the Brewers lineup. Um, So I think that there's a chance that Tony Gonsolin will be your bulk guy and Dustin may also will be a bulk guy. So you have two long men there. One could end up being a starter, but one could also be the guy that comes in in the second or third inning. And then you hope can, you can give you five. So I think it's going to be a very flexible third game for sure. I think slam dunk it's Kershaw in game two. And when people are listening to this that night, they'll go, yes, you're right. And it's like, okay, <laughs> big deal. But yeah. I think this is about separating the bullpen work. This is not Clayton Kershaw is not the ace of the team. This is that Walker Buehler is the guy that can go out there and in one inning the blister busts open and you have a fully rested bullpen. And then Clayton can go out and give you six or seven to rest the bullpen, and then you've got a, a healthy, strong bullpen again on game three. But if the blister popped open in game two and now you have a bullpen game and then the next day you wanted to go more of a bullpen game also, you've got guys coming back on no days rest. So I think it's a it's a really good move having Bueller go game one. Dodgers win this series if what? If Walker Bueller's blister doesn't pop, and uh, I think that's about it. I think the the reason this you know this went seven games, been eighteen, right? And and the Brewers actually outscored the Dodgers. I think it was twenty four to twenty three, but the Dodgers won the close games. So. The bullpen at the end of the at the end of the game is gonna also have to really function well because if these are tight games, you know, haters probably gonna put up a zero or two. So you're gonna have to match that if it's a tight game. This is going to come from the
1: duh category, but I think they win the series <laughs> if they don't play poorly. They're so superior that as long as they don't, and and it happens, right? Good teams play poorly sometimes, and we've seen the Dodgers play poorly on a few Mm -hmm. occasions this year. As long as they don't throw the ball all over the place, as long as they don't have blow-ups from guys who typically don't blow up, as long as the strikeouts don't start to go through the roof like we've seen in the postseason in the past, just don't play poorly, and hopefully, even though it's a three-game sample
2: size, hopefully the vastly superior team is going to win. Yeah, I think that the one thing that pumps into my head when I think about that is as long as their chase rate is the same as it was during the regular season because mm-hmm. I don't think these pitchers can get them out in the zone. And so even if the pitching is a little bit weak or for the Dodgers, even if the bullpen screws up a little bit, I think if they stay in the zone, this offense is going to score plenty of runs.
1: My thought is that if they win this three-game series, if they escape this three-game fright fest, they win the whole thing for you How do they win the whole thing?
2: I think that you have to have one other pitcher other than Kershaw and Bueller, step up and be the man. And I don't mean a bullpen piece. I mean another bulk guy. Um, If it's Arias, if it's Gonsolin, if it's May, I think they're going to need six innings out of one of those guys consistently in each series. And after that – I really think kenley jansen has a spotlight on him and it in the spotlight if if they can win a series and he has a tough series i could see them moving to bullpen by committee because this is an organization that wants to win so badly and it is about now even though it has been about the past over the last eight seasons winning the National League west uh this is about now and it's built up like a volcano and it could explode and i think part of the explosion could be that they're going to make moves that you don't make in a big picture. They're going to make moves that are very finite and very for right now. Who is your breakout surprise
1: star of the postseason for the Dodgers that maybe maybe us as fans wouldn't be surprised if we
2: saw, but that the rest of baseball may find out about? Tony Consolin. I think Tony Gonsolin is going to be outstanding. I think he has two pitches now. I think that on a certain day, that split change is going to be working. I think on every day, the slider and the fastball are going to be working. He can pitch up in the strike zone. He can pitch down in the strike zone. And he looks like he has the pulse for it. The The, the Achilles heel of Tony Gonsolin will be playoff adrenaline, And will that ruin the syncopation between the upper body and the lower body where we've seen him have batches of lack of command and kind of jerk the ball over into the left-hand batter's box? But if he can stay with his calm heartbeat and keep the rhythm between the upper and lower halves, the stuff coming out of his hand and the hitters have proved it is really good. He seems like he's not very easily rattled. Like he is
1: always the same guy. So so I know we've seen those upper body and lower body out of sync before. Mm-hmm. My hope is that the moment won't be something that causes that
2: for him. Yep, exactly. And I think we've seen that a little bit because he didn't pitch in a lot of traffic, but then all of a sudden, you know, when he did, he got out of it so quickly. Well, at the end of the season, we saw some outings where the traffic kind of stayed you know, heavy for a while he was in rush mm-hmm. hour and and in rush hour he did rush a little bit and kind of lose that so I really think that uh, he learned from that hopefully and he'll be there you know and and I know you're probably your next question which is popping in my head right now is on the offensive side I don't worry about our offense I really don't there's just too many bats there for us not to get two or three hitters that come through
1: Why does it feel so different to you than years past where the offense was exceptional as well? You know, because I think you could have said that a couple of years ago that, wow, these guys just bludgeon people. Right. And then it wasn't the same in October. Why is this different in your mind?
2: When we started the playoff run, we had an offense that usually was built in the years past on home runs. Uh, we did hit with runners in scoring position at time, but we didn't hit with two outs in runners in scoring position. We were a team that struck out a little bit, and and as we got into the playoffs, we expanded our zone and we struck out too much. I just see a maturity to this lineup that those flaws are not going to creep up. Yes, we hit a lot of home runs, but we hit with runners in scoring position. We hit with two outs in running scoring position. We don't chase. We walk. We don't strike out as much as we used to. And I see those categories not changing because there's a maturity and a wholeness to the approach.
1: Who wins the team mvp if this goes the way that you're hoping and maybe you've already kind of touched on this with some of the names you mentioned but if they're going to win it who is the team mvp in doing so wow for the whole month of october
2: yeah hmm there's just so many names
1: i know Um, because like it's it's like you don't think of a closer as the mvp but kenley jansen's got to be the kenley jansen that we've seen in years past for them to win yeah and, like, that one keeps coming up to me. That feels like a weird answer for who the team MVP is, but you you certainly can't have Kenley be the opposite of the MVP for the team. you got no chance if if he struggles. Yeah, for
2: a closer to be an MVP of October overall, he would have to close every game he's in and hold a tie every time he's in for that to really get a spotlight. You know, he's going to end up being like an umpire. You only notice him if he's bad. <laughs> But uh, I think that uh, I think I would pick a right handed hitter in the Dodger lineup to end up being the MVP because with Bellinger and Seager and Muncie, you're going to see some good left handed relievers and maybe left handed starters and things and the right handed hitters see both of those all the time like they become mvp caliber because they hit right handers and they stay mvp caliber because they hit left handers so i'm i'm looking at somebody you know like mookie or chris taylor those kind of guys a tur- justin turner the right-handed hitters i think will be and that's kind of a cop-out to take a whole side but i just wanted to give my reasoning to the listeners that i think it'll be a right-handed hitter
1: well, Mookie's the easy answer. Turner, given the track record, is probably the next easiest answer. But you mentioned Taylor. And how about A.J. Pollock? Exactly. Yep. You know? Another so, guy that hits left. as well. I guess that's a good thing that we have that many options we're talking about that, mm-hmm. that could be that guy when the postseason rolls around. Uh, The the special thing about baseball is how long the regular season is. We didn't have 162, but we had 60, and so I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on a couple great things from the 60-game sprint before we bring Dave Roberts in here. For you, what was the biggest pleasant surprise of these 60 games?
2: Hmm. I would say, you know, Gonsolin in May for me with a pitching background, that's the first thing that pops to my head. Um A.J. Pollock's resurgence was definitely a huge key. And I don't want to keep talking and take all the topics from you, so who who is it for you? Victor Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, really good. For me. I mean, good one. not just him debuting,
1: but him becoming I mean, he, a guy. You could make an <laughs> argument that he is the
2: most trusted guy right now, couldn't you? You could. You really could, especially with Adam Clark getting a little rough, rough, rough patch. Uh, we've seen all the relievers have a rough patch, but him really wasn't it his first outing when it was a little rough, and then after that, he's just been on a roll. Yeah, he's on a greasy slide doing well. (laughs) He's just sliding right into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it the best team of
1: the eight? division champion teams I think that's and I guess we'll find out officially over yeah, the next month that's no
2: question I think there's no question that this is the best team because immediately as soon as you had Mookie Betts to a team and you're about the same team and it would be been a debate if it was that roster without Mookie and the other rosters so as soon as you put Mookie on yeah definitely the best team you've been in this situation before you've won the ultimate prize
1: mm-hmm. what about this group intangibly makes you think that this is the one to get it done. And when I say intangibly, yeah. I mean outside the numbers and
2: Yeah, the see, the interesting thing about that question is it brings me back to the cheating because I think the other clubs had everything. And I think they really deserve to be world champions. And I and I'm still when playoffs come around and we start talking about NLCS and we start talking about the World Series again, it's going to drudge those feelings back up. And I hope for this group, since most of them were burned by that, that it gives them an energy that they can point in the right direction. And then in the moments when it looks like it's slipping away, that that memory doesn't revisit them and distract them and if they get close to winning it all i hope it feels even like more energy like see we would have done it and so uh it it dredges up all that with me i so i to compare this team and what it would take for them to win the world series compared to the other ones i would say the other ones had it and this one has it too all right let's bring the skipper on now
1: and get dave robert's thoughts about postseason Dave, instead of doing the uh, best thing we saw this week, we're going to look ahead because it's time for the postseason. What are your emotions going into? And again, we're recording this Wednesday. It is now about two o'clock. So we're five hours from game time. What are your emotions? Just hours from the postseason beginning.
0: You know what? It's interesting, uh, Joe, the the nerves haven't hit yet and the butterflies right now. There's just been a ton of meetings and kind of pre- preparing and just got done with those hard conversations talking about guys not being on the roster. And it's, those are the things that really difficult because guys that kind of get you to the one yard line. And then you have to tell them that you're not going to be a part of this postseason series, but kind of stay ready potentially for the next series. Um, but as, like you said, we're five hours out. So uh, the Syrian seriousness, guys are in a good place, but then the focus starts to narrow just a little bit each hour.
2: When you were a player getting ready for a playoff series, there's one kind of nerves when you're management and there's another kind because you can't expend it, right? Or do you make sure you get your workout in to get rid of the adrenaline, get rid of the nerves?
0: I'm going to get outside uh, here after this and just kind of get a little sweat, break a sweat. And just it it allows also just to get my thoughts together Um, because right now there's a lot of noise, a lot of things coming at me. So you've got to at some point get clarity. And the one thing that I... I know that whether you're a player, um, when I was a player or manager, you want things to slow down because when things get quick, um, it, it, it just bad decisions, you know? And I remember a mentor of mine when I was playing, his name was Jeff Manto. He was a career minor league uh, Bull Durham guy, right? So he was like, hey, David, let me tell you something. This is when I was in AAA and he was at AAA for five, six years and the Crass Davis type guy. He's like, everything you do on game day, you do slow. He's like, you talk slow, you get up early, you drive to the ballpark slow, you get there early, have your coffee, and and you walk to the batter's box slow. And it just really made sense to me and anything else I did with baseball. And because when I did feel like I was rushed, it just didn't go well.
2: The other thing you mentioned in your first answer was you just got done the tough conversations with the guys. Uh, what are the rules of those guys staying in shape? Can they stay with you guys? Do they stay in the bubble? Do they go to the alternate site when they're in LA? What do they do?
0: They're in, going to be in the bubble with us, and uh, there's no more alternate site USC. And what they're doing now is we're having essentially two workouts. So it puts a lot on the coaches because they have to be here for a couple hours before to kind of make sure these guys stay ready, whether it's Dylan Floro, Gavin Lux, um, you know, other pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. Are staying ready, uh, Scott Alexander, Josh Spores. Um, so they're doing that. And as far as the game, I think that the guys that have been here the whole year, whether it's Floro, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, whoever it might be, they can stay with us. And then we got to kind of figure out how to keep Lux and, and those guys around, though.
1: Was it like cramming for an exam with a new opponent like this? Given the circumstances this year, where you haven't played the Brewers,
0: it's a little bit, but not necessarily as much because if you look at the same cast of characters, we we know these guys. Um the biggest news was Devin Williams was a guy yeah. that we really didn't know much about and we just learned a couple hours ago that he's not on their playoff roster. So he's a guy that we were really kind of targeting and trying to figure out that little uh reverse changeup screwball, whatever the heck you want to call it the Eric Gagne, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, but as far as kind of that we know these guys, but there's certainly a deeper dive. But honestly, I, I feel we're the best team, and we just got to go out there and play like it.
1: Oral mentioned it during our first segment today, but a roster it seems like really built for a short series with the 13 pitchers and the 15 position players and a guy like Terrence Gore on it.
0: That's, that's the kind of uh, the fun part of when you build a roster and you can sort of sort of supplant him in a, in a spot in a leveraged spot and have that burner and create tension for those guys. Um, and also potentially, um, you know, in an extra inning situation, get a guy on base. And, and um, so we'll see, but we have uh, Beatty as an extra bat. We have Rios who's going to start tonight. Um, you got Kike, you've got uh, a lot of different guys. So it, it, we've got the third catcher because I think that with, with Austin and Will, Having the ability potentially to hit for Austin if we need to in a big spot with a left-handed bat or whatever, and have that coverage is huge.
2: What is your message to the team? Is it going to be some big sit-down meeting? Are you going to have them around, or is he going to just like guys just go be yourself?
0: I think oral. I think it's more just be yourselves. If if uh, all of our fans know our club pretty well and the personality of our club, and it's a professional club that that has fun but is professional. And I think for me, I'm going to trust that and more go by more of the, the, uh, the laxness of have fun, be yourselves, play the game that we've always played as opposed to make it more intense because our guys don't need to be pushed in that direction.
2: Are there things that you know you need to do to win the series? And are there things that you tried, you know, you need to avoid, but, do you address them or do you just wait for them to pop up? Or maybe you talk to people individually as you walk around the clubhouse. How do you address those kind of things that you want to accentuate?
0: I think as far as that more of, again, just being yourselves, Um, as far as like on the X's and O's part of it, I think that on the pitching side and run prevention side, we got to keep these guys from slugging. They're a team that really preys on, three run homers so if we can kind of try to make them, them put hits together to beat us we win um, they've got a they've leaned on pitching and now to lose burns their starter their arguably their ace and then to now lose uh, Williams I think just continue to stress them uh, Souter is a guy that we're going to see tonight he nibbles we can't we can't let him chase him out of the zone uh, chase uh, we can't get out of the zone with him uh, we're gonna see Woodruff and they're gonna go long. But I think that just trying to get to their pen, uh, we should be in really good shape. And then outside of that, Oral, it's like, guys, just play your game.
1: We've talked over the last week or so about game three, and a lot of it was matchup dependent. Where's your head right now on what game three might look like?
0: Um, so obviously, I, I don't see Dustin pitching in this game tonight. So Dustin will be back online game two, game three. And I can see Gonsolin being a big part of game three. Um, And Julio for me, um, you know, this will be aired tomorrow, but I, I expect Julio to pitch a lot tonight and throw the baseball well.
2: That's great. You know, I, I think about your staff and you've got all the bases covered. And then you think about the lineup, you've got everything covered. And Joe asked me in our segment about who's going to be the MVP. And it's like you have a chance to have an MVP everywhere in the lineup. And you have some pitchers that could really step up and carry you. It's got to bring a lot of confidence. And I really believe this is the best roster you've had, Skip. And the reason it is because it probably would have been a coin flip before the big trade. But as soon as Mookie joins the team that it's a coin flip on, is this the best Dodger team of the last eight years? I think it's a given. It's got to be. Yeah,
0: I I think you're right. And um, Mookie certainly made everyone better. And you know, what's interesting is that when you talk about MVPs and a lot of times, and you see it every year in the postseason, the best players, typically aren't the guys that are the MVPs of a series because the teams don't let them beat them. And, and so I think that for us, if you look at Yelich, I just don't see how he would be the MVP because we're not going to let him beat us. Um, and so I think that to make the team, so now you're talking about guys, whether it be a Will Smith, a Chris Taylor, because if we do things the right way, um, Mookie and, and Seeger should be taking walks and, Cody should be taking walks. And so then what it does, it presents opportunities for other guys in the other part of the order. And so that's when it's operated the right way. So that's the fun thing about baseball. Still got to go out there and play.
1: The Dodgers win the World Series
0: if what? If Walker Bueller can continue to – if we can keep that blister at bay –
2: Mm-hmm. Good answer. That was my answer, Skip. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: fingers crossed.
0: And this yeah. one is like, and this this is the thing is that this one tonight, um, because when you're talking about winning the World Series, you're gonna need Walker to throw four or five times. So this right now, I can't just go out and say, Hey, we're gonna let him go nine, <laughs> nine innings, ninety pitches, whatever it is. I think yeah. that because Right now, this is as good as our bullpen shape will be in as far as rest and sharpness. And so to then push him to get in a bad spot so he's not ready in the division series, that doesn't make sense. So to be all in, you have to essentially not be all in in the first one, which is kind of counterintuitive, but you have to make sure he gets out of this good enough to then continue to build going forward.
2: Two answers I gave also, Skip, were uh, on the offensive side, um, stay in the zone throughout the whole grind. You know, don't have the strikeout all of a sudden and the chase appear like it has in the past. And then on the pitching side, I said one other guy, other than Walker and Clayton, has to step up to be a bulk guy, not necessarily a a setup guy or a a starter, but a guy that can at least go five or six for you at some point in the game, so that you do get to rest your bullpen pieces for those key games because this is a long grind to the very last game in the World Series.
0: It is. It's going to be a long grind, and that that. Kind of, if you look out, which you know, you guys know me, I don't do that very often, but when you're yeah. talking about the division series, it's five in a row. So all guys are going to uh, have to make starts. So now you're talking about the boat guy. I would even argue that if a guy can give us three innings, that would be huge somewhere in there um, because the guys with length are going to essentially start. Um, and to your hitting point, I, I love your hitting point, And it's almost, and, and this is going to be interesting, guys, to see the series where my philosophy on hitting is the way that major league baseball pitchers pitch now where it's literally 50-50 fastball versus secondaries you almost have the mindset of you almost have to have the mindset of being 3-1 every single time so every single pitch you get up there you got to think 3-1 to look for your zone because 2-1 is no longer a fastball count 1-0 is no longer a fastball count 3-1 is not always a fastball count so but if you can look in and look in as opposed to that as opposed to kind of being defensive or you're two and oh i think that puts you in a good aggressive yes 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 no mindset
1: doc you got a postseason game to manage i think we should let you go do that
0: <laughs> well fellas thank you guys so much for the time this was a nice reprieve for me uh, five hours before the game
1: always happy to have you
0: doc thanks so much skip good luck all right fellas let's go win a baseball game
1: Mailbag question this week comes from Michelle Higgins. She wants to know how we separate our emotions from the job. She says she's watching games and she's yelling at the TV and getting mad at the outcomes. So first of all, for you, how do you separate your emotions from uh, your on-air delivery?
2: I think um, first and foremost, we have a responsibility to the fans to do the game in what we think is proper, but I think as far as exercising that muscle, that was a muscle that I had to exercise as a professional athlete, you know, not get too high after wins, not get too low after losses. I think I got to exercise that muscle even more when I was doing national broadcast for ESPN, doing the college world series, the little league world series, you know, Doing the Little League World Series, I'm thinking about the little fellas that are going to watch this on replay. So I'm thinking about them more than the audience. And then in the College World Series, a little bit more, I could be a little bit more critical, especially at first on a play. I didn't have to really worry about their feelings as much. They were either moving on professionally or moving into something else. So uh, to separate it with the Dodgers, it's hard because there's a deeper emotion than any other broadcasting I've ever done. But I know about the responsibility. How about for you? I don't know that I separated. I
1: think that there's a line that I don't cross, but I think emotion is good. And, you know, like we, we want to see the team do well. And while I don't consider myself a fan, I, I still, of course, want the Dodgers to do well. I'm going to get excited when they do things well. And uh, when they do things poorly, I'm going to tell you about it. So, you know, I, I think it's important. I think crossing the line would be if you – got mad when things didn't go well and you let your frustrations come out over the air. How do you not do that? I think that that's just kind of an innate part of the job.
2: And I think we both balance the broadcast with uh, compliment complimenting the opponent when they mm-hmm. do something well. I think your stories and the things, the background checks you do on the guys and bring to the air are amazing as far as their personal struggles or their personal successes prior to becoming a big leaguer and where they grew up and all the things that you tell us about them. So I think that brings really good balance to when the Dodgers do something well and we get excited. And then when we do report the news that the opposing team has done something well, I think Mm -hmm. we get literally complimentary about, wow, what skill it took or the pressure they were under or how they beat a great team. Because
1: good, beautiful baseball is good, beautiful baseball, no matter which team's doing it. I think we both have a deep appreciation for that. For sure. For sure. So maybe not as hard as it as it would seem, but really good question, Michelle. And we appreciate you sending that in. You can uh, you can send your questions to us on social media or off air with Joe and Oral at gmail.com. I would ask you what you're looking forward to this week, but I know we're both looking forward to the postseason. And uh, man, just get
2: through this three gamer, and I think the sky's the limit after that. Yeah, you'd love them to win 2-0, but uh, 2-1 would be good too because it keeps them playing baseball and they don't have as many days off going into the next series so the bats could still be in rhythm. So you want them to move through, but in some ways I want them to move through with three games instead of two.
1: Bum that we don't get to hang out each day now.
2: Yeah, we'll have to make appointments to see each other.
1: Love you, buddy. Love you too.